Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree and so happy to have you tune in for this. I've got a dear friend of mine in the hot seat, someone I go way back with years and years ago in those unforgettable dressing rooms of my burlesque days. She was of course already a superstar in the scene and remains one to this day, an absolute legend. But she'll be catching us up on all things, especially the transition into more than just burlesque. I'm talking podcasts, sex positivity, and really leading conversations that need to happen. Joining me is the oh-so-incredible Michelle L'Amour. Joining me today, how lucky am I? We have the 21st century goddess, renowned international burlesque artist, and the host of podcast Look Down There, the incredible Michelle L'Amour. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm ready to get licked and loaded. Oh, absolutely. Make sure you have something to swallow. I take a coffee usually, you know. I just got some water. No big deal. Mm. It's still early Excellent. for me. Excellent. Uh, you and I met in in the burlesque world, which is such an exciting atmosphere to be in. And I remember being in awe of everything you brought to the stage and everything you brought backstage as well. There was this incredible preservation of your goddess self that I was always aware of and I've always been in such admiration of. Um, my first question and the jumping point I want for today's conversation is like, you have dedicated your life and your life's work to exploring and expressing sexuality. Why? Yeah, obs obsession. You know, I've been obsessed with it for as long as I can remember and always had that question, what is sexy and what is beautiful? And I've always been looking to explore that um, mostly for myself. I was trying to, to figure out for that, those answers for myself. And, and I think that stemmed from growing up with alopecia, uh, which causes me to lose my hair and not looking like the other girls and not having like that same kind of experience that the other girls would have where like, you know, they have their boy crazy moments and like, you know, they have their first kisses in fifth grade. Like I didn't have any of that, you know? So I was just like, I was stuck with no choice, but to develop a personality, Laura. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, I would spend a lot of time in the mirror, um, looking at myself, looking at my face and looking at my body and trying to make sexy poses with my body. I would even try to come up with interesting ways to take my clothes off. Um, little did I know that this was the, the seeds of my 20 year long burlesque career. Um, but yeah, I just always loved that. And I think I always like looked to women, like the, the person I'm thinking of, you, you know, is, is it Jessica, Jennifer Beals? Ugh, Jennifer Beals. Yeah, Jennifer, Jennifer Beals. Beals. Um, from Flashdance and like yeah. the off the shoulder and the leg warmers and like, you know, I loved that and I loved um that club and Tina Tech and just like I just loved yeah. all of it and um like the seediness and the energy and the excitement of it. But also there was this 
validation happening for the, for the dancers. And I think that I was seeking this kind of validation. Like I wanted to be wanted, Mm. you know, Mm. and, and, and in my exploration, I've since developed a more mature (laughs) attitude towards the whole thing where the external validation doesn't really uh, matter to me as much. And what matters to me most is how I'm contributing to the world now and like what I want to put into the world rather than what I want to take from it. And I think that's a really, um, a very different thing for me coming out of this pandemic. Can I say we're coming out of it? Yeah. Let's say it. We're going to say it right here, right now, licked and loaded. That's right. We're, we're, we have to, because it's going to set us on the path for it. Okay. I've been working with a lot of the secret these days. So I'm trying to put that out there just as much as all of us want to get back to our lives. I mean, we're talking two decades in burlesque. Is there still a thrill factor for you? If so, what is it that keeps you doing it? Oh, Laura, this is such a hard question because, um, no, the answer is kind of no right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, it's, it's become more of something that I do rather than who I am. Um, and so that's been a big energy shift for me as well. Like it is still something that I enjoy, but I find that I'm performing uh, with much less of an edge. Like I no longer feel the need to prove something so desperately. Um, where I felt that before, I don't really feel that right now. And, and so that's allowing me in the times that I am performing to be like ultra confident, super present, um, really connected to the audience. And that feels really good. But am I like, I got to do the next big thing and the next big act and I got to win this and win that. No, I don't feel that way. But part, part of me wants to argue, is that just general aging that, you know, we have that appetite and that hunger and that uh, hardcore ravenous approach to chasing our goals at a certain era of our life. And then later on, it kind of, I don't know, mellows out. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that can be part of it. And I think, um, I, I, it's not that I don't have the hustle. It's that my hustle is in a different place now Mm -hmm. that my energy is in a different place now. So I still have passion and I still have dreams and stuff. It's just that they're different now. And that's actually been a really hard thing for me to accept. And, Mm. and I'm still like uncomfortable even saying it, but I have to say it because that's where I am truly, but it's, it's tough. You know, it, it's, it's it, like, this has been all I've wanted for so long. And to suddenly be like, oh, I want, I want something different. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still related to sex. It's still related to intimacy. It's not like a course. far cry from where, um, you know, where I am or where I've been, like, I'm still passionate about all that and, and exploring all of that stuff. So it's, it's like, so reminiscent of when you find that first love and you, it burns hot and it is invincible. And you say things to each other that are so profound and ridiculous. Like I will never love anyone ever again, because it's just you and we are made for each other. And this is the end all be all coupling of the rest of my life. And then 
you fall out of love or something and then you fall in love again, you know, like you fall in love again. Yeah. Yeah. It's these different chapters. And I think when I was, I was younger, I would look at these people who I felt lived so many lives and I would just be like, wow, I don't even know that I'm going to be able to do that. I don't even know that I have another chapter. And I would just be like, this is what I'm doing forever. And like, because that's how I felt because while I was in it, you know, 20 years is a long time, but it's also not, you know, we know, we both know people who've been doing it for way longer and I marvel at them. Um, (laughs) but I, I like in that time, I've seen a lot of people come and go and, and through that whole time I've been the constant. And so that's kind of, it's made me feel kind of strange in those moments when I see these people go on to other things or pursue other dreams. And, and I'm like, well, wait, what am I, what am I doing? I'm, right. I'm still doing the same thing, you know, and I'm right. always going to be doing this thing, but maybe not, or maybe well, just I, in a I, different capacity. And I, I want to talk about making that shift because I think it's incredibly valuable. I think that a lot of people can relate to it, regardless of whether they're in a different kind of sexual expression or whether they're just starting to explore it. This shift, I want to get into it, but right before we leave burlesque, it is such an ancient art form, one could say, you know, it's it's hard to know the exact pinpoint of when the hell this started, but it has this eternal appeal. I think that like humans are attracted to a flame, we will always be enchanted by this flirtatious sexual expression, this, this performance of burlesque. Is there something that audiences, is there something that those outside of burlesque still don't know about it? or still aren't understanding about it as we see it ebb and flow with popularity throughout the eras? Yeah, I think I think from an audience perspective, um, and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot as I've been studying a lot of consent work and boundary work and things like that, um, is that just because we're taking off our clothes doesn't mean you have full access to us. And, and that's one of the things that I think I thought that I had to give, Mm -hmm. um, in my earlier days, you know, um, like boundaries. I don't have boundaries. I take my clothes off for a living. Why would I have boundaries? And no one, like, I don't deserve to have boundaries. Look at me. I'm naked all the time. You know, um, that is a fallacy. And I think that's something that not only the audience needs to realize, but also I think a lot of the performers need to realize and, Mm. and also in how we interact with the audience, but also how we interact with each other Mm. and the boundaries and lines that get crossed backstage so often. And the things that I've allowed, um, to enter my domain when like, I was not cool with it, you know? And so like that, it's been like a lot of grappling with that too. When did that mindset change for you? The one that says, oh, well, I, I'm putting myself out there. So yeah, this is what I get for doing it versus the one that says I have boundaries. What was it a specific moment? (laughs) Yeah, it was like three years ago. It was like very recent. Um, Yeah. You know, I've had like a really interesting relationship with burlesque. And I mean, I honestly feel that it's taught me all of my major life lessons. I mean, like having that experience is invaluable and, Mm. and, and 
also learning. So I'm, I'm sitting in front of all of these burlesque legends right now and being able to interact with um, women that have done this in the past and just seeing how different that they look at it. Like they look at it as this is entertainment. Like it's not necessarily about empowerment for them, although it is empowering, but for them, it was like entertainment. And I think our catalyst in, you know, in you and I's time coming up, it was more about empowerment, Mm -hmm. but I still kind of adopted more of the old school feeling of like, no, this is entertainment. Like you can be empowered (laughs) also, but like, I want, I want you to entertain me. Like, I want you to to connect with me. And, um, yeah, I don't even think I've answered your question, but honestly, no, I, I, I didn't you've, really. <laughs> you've given me so much. I'm like, I'm sitting here going, so wait a minute. Is there a chance that the generation of burlesque performers, our time happening now, are they giving a different experience? Are we doing it for different reasons? Are we granting a different experience for the audience because our approach to it is this empowerment versus solely entertainment? Yeah, I think the audience has a very different experience of what burlesque is, but also we use the word burlesque to mean so many things. So it's really hard to just define what it is in general, you know, Mm. um, whether you're doing like straight up burlesque, classic burlesque, or you're doing like, sideshow burlesque or you're doing performance art burlesque you know and they all look so different and it's so hard to to describe actually (laughs) what it is um you know outside of taking off your clothes and maybe you're wearing pasties maybe not depends on the venue um but yeah I mean either way I feel like (sighs) there's kind of this what I'm noticing is that there's kind of this um, homogenization happening within burlesque where like we all have to look the same and we all have to have, we have to have the same burlesque costume. Like we have to have the corset. We have to have these boas and these fans and we have to have this many rhinestones. And like, it's so boring to me. It's so boring. And I feel like when you and I started, there was a lot more diversity and expression. And now I'm seeing just a lot of same. And I think I'm seeing a lot of the same because that's the stuff that's getting booked. That's the stuff that's being validated. That's the stuff that the public is accepting more of. So Mm. I think there's like less risk-taking than there used to be. Wow. And that feels it feels like an odd contradiction seeing as I thought we were going into this for revolution, ladies. I thought we were going into this for empowerment and we're all looking to fit uh, what a, a, a conveyor belt expectation of, of model one, model two, model three. Like I, I, to me, it's, it's a very interesting time for this art form because I think like our, our parents and the generations before, they everyone's having a version of a sexual revolution and i think a lot of ours is happening through art forms like sexual expression is very big we're seeing it in pop culture more than ever before so yeah i think burlesque has kind of branched into this strange uh, offshot there's a million a million different you know facets within burlesque and under that umbrella and so i i think it's i i don't know if the the definition everyone would agree on you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm, 
it's the expression that I'm interested in and, and it's the authenticity that I'm interested yeah. in and the connection and having like your own unique voice. Yeah. And what I see a lot of outside of like the same costumes and everything and the same look is also the same moves. It's like, like, okay, here are all the burlesque moves. Now put all of them in one routine and right. show that you can do all of these things. Um, but it doesn't make any sense. And that's not artistic. Like if a painter went to go paint and used all of the colors and yeah. all of the techniques and had no editing skills and right. no reserve, it wouldn't be interesting to look at. It wouldn't pull you in. And so I just feel like when I see performers, they're not being thoughtful and I really appreciate thoughtfulness. Well, authenticity, you know? like you just said, authenticity, right? I, yeah. I mean, have conviction in it, have authenticity yeah. and, and, and try and hone in on what it is that you're looking to convey, what you're looking to, to evoke. Exactly. And like use the moves that serve you, that look good and feel good for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, and also like, what's your intention? So I always like to say intention plus movement equals power. So like if your movement, and that can, that could be anything like the sexual revolution or the sexual yeah. movement, and there's intention behind that movement, there's power there, but like you take a simple movement, like, uh, you know, lifting of the arm. If you do that lifting of the arm with serious and deep rooted intention, it is going to have huge power on stage and stage I mean, wa present. watch me hail a taxi now. Okay. You just, I'm going to be out there today thinking about that as I'm in the streets of New York, hailing taxis, thinking of Michelle Amore's intention. I love yes. this. I love yes. it. Uh, let, let's, let's get into your podcast. Look down there. I was a guest on this podcast. I had such a great time because the subject matter, the purpose, the mission of this project gets me so hot, so excited. It was so necessary the minute you launched this. And I know that it's continuing to explore conversations in and around, would you say uh, self-love, vulva love? Yeah. Self-love, sex positivity, body positivity. I'm, I'm always interested in people's um, confidence journeys and empowerment journeys and like how they've gotten to where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to talk about that because we often just see someone who's like confident, like, oh, I can never be like that. But I don't know about you. Maybe hmm. this is, you are a unicorn, but, um, I wasn't born super confident. Like I had to learn this skill. I had to practice the skill. Um, and I wasn't always outspoken. I was a very shy person. And so I'm really interested in one, what does confidence mean? Uh, what does empowerment mean? And then also how does that show up in our bodies? And, you know, I always think that, well, I, what I say in the podcast is that confidence comes from the bottom up. So I believe in rooting the confidence deep within. So it's less easy to shake. Right. So just think of a, of a tree that has like deep, deep roots. Um, that's how I see confidence or what I like to call pussy confidence. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the whole, the whole thing was developed because of my own journey of um, self-hatred of, of my vulva, like I'm a recovering vulva hater um, and, and feeling 
like, it's time for me to talk about it. It's time for me to just unleash the shame and connect with people that also need to hear this message and also want to share their message and share their story and wherever they're at in their, in their journey. Have you had a a variety of responses to this, this series, to this podcast? What have you been hearing from listeners? I would imagine that they feel as lit up and liberated as I did, because I am also a former Volda hater and we talked about it on your show. Yeah. I mean, the response, like some people are like, oh, you know what? I, um, I showed an example of a, of a clitoris, like what the clitoris looks like. And I had students that were in their fifties maybe, and had never seen that and never known that. Mm -hmm. And that's not their fault. Right. It's just like this information is kind of hidden just like our clitoris. So, um, you know, the more that we can know about our bodies, the more pleasure potential that we have. Like Mm. I used to think like, if you get all brainy or an intellectual about this stuff, then it'll take away from the fun that, but that's not true. (laughs) That's not true at all. Yeah. The more, the more, you know, the more you glow, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And also you got to tap into the playful side of life too sometimes, right? It can't Mm -hmm. entirely be analytical. There's not a textbook that's going to give you an answer, especially when textbooks don't often recognize our anatomy as completely. So Mm -hmm. for anyone that might be listening to this saying, oh my gosh, A, I'm about to download this podcast and listen to every single episode that Michelle Lamour and Look Down There have ever done. Um, But for anyone that is saying, I want to begin a better relationship with my anatomy and my genitalia, what are some ways to start doing that? Yeah. So if you've never looked at yourself, then that would be the first step. However, that can feel very intimidating um, and really scary and really emotional to do. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to confront there. You know, there's a, there can be trauma. There can be a lot of shame. Um, and what I would recommend is starting with compassion for yourself first and giving yourself grace. And I think a lot of us, when we come to this point in our lives, when we're thinking, I need to love myself. I need to get back on top of this. I need, uh, I want things. I desire things. And like, when you come into that knowing there Mm. can be a bit of grieving for the time where you weren't doing those things, where you were feeling like you couldn't access those things. And, and I, I've see that and I've experienced this as well. When you get to that point in your life where you do start to go on that journey that you can look back and feel kind of sad because you didn't do it sooner. Mm. But I want to assure you that you will receive whatever information you need to receive when you are ready to receive it. And that's what I like to go into this with. It's yes, you can grieve, but also know that you are in the exact right place at the right time right now. If you are starting this today and you're looking at yourself for the first time today, it's a great day and it's the exact right time for you to do it. Hmm. So I'm excited for <laughs> listeners and viewers right now. I really am. Uh, it's it's a process and a journey. 
And it, like you said, it happens at different times in life. And it's amazing because it doesn't affect all of us the same way. You know, I, the more that I work with the camming community and do my own broadcasts and of course watch other people's broadcasts, in camming especially, there is just no restriction to what you look like and how you present and the kind of, uh, I guess, honesty you wanna have in sharing that part of yourself. Um, and so some folks, I just, is it a performance that they're beaming with confidence about it? Or is it that maybe they've never had a hang up about how they look? It's fascinating to me. It is fascinating. And, you know, I have met people that have like, yeah, I've never had an issue or like my mom has always been really great about it and it always showed me things. And I'm just like, wow, what is your life? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can't imagine what that would be like. <laughs> Oh my gosh. You know, I was, I was, oh, I hope my sister isn't listening, but I'm going to tell a story. I was talking with my sister uh, about how different our lives are that I'm a very naked person publicly on internet. You can find me naked everywhere. She is not, but we're identical twins, obviously. And uh, we were talking about our relationship with our vulvas. And I was saying, you know, how do you feel about yours? And she said, Laura, when we were very little, I asked you if yours looked like mine, because I was worried about what mine looked like. And you told me no. And that's what set me on the path to think I was different and that something was wrong with me. And I'm like, why did I ever say that? That's so untrue. Of course they're identical. Like we are identical. And I can't believe that that little moment became, you know, the, the start of a questioning and then maybe a self-hate. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but that it can happen that easily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's how vulnerable that is, right? That, that aspect of our lives. Yeah. And that, I mean, that really goes for anything. It, like shame is easily planted yeah. and it, it's like a weed, you know, it grows so quick and so yeah. easily and entangles in every little nook and cranny. Um, but yeah, uh, like unraveling that I'll quote mm -hmm. Brene Brown, but, um, shave thrives in silence. And so mm -hmm. the moment that we're able to speak our shame, the that's when we can start unraveling it and healing it. Totally. And, and I was thinking about you so much back in December when the Billie Eilish, Howard Stern conversation happened where uh, Billie Eilish had said that uh, a, a very negative relationship to her own anatomy was formed from watching porn uh, and being exposed to it as often as she was in some of those formative years. And of course, this, you know, empowered the organizations of the world that think that porn does have a destructive influence, especially on, you know, the, the budding minds of young people. What were your thoughts about this in her kind of blaming the porn industry for her bad relationship with her vagina? Yeah. Well, I don't know that I heard that interview, but I will say I just had a conversation with somebody, um, about this topic that, you know, all vulvas look different. And he was like, yeah, I didn't know that when I was, I was with somebody and they looked so different from what I had seen that I said something and I was like, Whoa, you look really different. Like talk about planting a seed of shame, no kidding. but also like the ignorance on his part for not knowing, right? Wow. Because wow. maybe there's not a lot of diversity shown in porn. I mean, I think wow. it's changing, yeah. um, but I, that's something that I never realized. 
is right. that viewers can could also not know that there were differences in vulvas just because of what we're consuming. I, I, I did a taboo magazine spread very, like months ago, and I'm already at this point of my, my anatomy understanding and accepting and loving. Uh, and I was showing it to someone and they said, what did they do to the edit on this image? It's so dark there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, what are you, what are you doing? Like, this is a real thing. People yeah. don't understand the diversity of vulvas, really of genitalia. Uh, I don't think, I don't want to say that porn is to blame because especially now there's such an amazing evolution happening with independent content creators putting their own work out there and of course a lot more freedom within even mainstream porn it's porn itself we're seeing different genres come up and we're seeing a lot more stars of the era present themselves un unedited unfiltered or just au naturel as they are um but do we need a literacy around that you know for young people that what you see in one video is not all it's meant to be. I just think the conversation of sex and bodies isn't handled early enough and isn't handled um, honestly and blatantly enough. Yeah. I mean, we're just left on our own. We're left on our own devices to, to figure it out, you know, and it's like figure out this really essential part of us that we have no guidance in. So where are we going to look to for guidance? Yeah. Maybe most likely porn, maybe, uh, I don't know, like I I don't know where you would go for guidance if it wasn't that, if no right. one is helping you. Um, but maybe there's something that can, something I've seen on advertisements lately is like, this photo is not retouched or something. Like maybe that could be something on porn. Like this vulva is not retouched or something. <laughs> so like, because it's so hard to trust any imagery these days. Like how do you trust a photo? How do you trust a video? Like everything can be faked and manufactured. And when it comes like that hurts my heart so much just in general, but when it comes to sex and sexuality and the manufacturing of sexuality mm -hmm. and the manufacturing of pleasure, like that hurts me. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, that's, that's where my authenticity comes in. It's like where, where I want to see authentic expressions of that. And I think it's important to see that, but then you also get into the, to the, to the thing of like, well, is it entertainment or is it informative? Is it real? It. Is it like, like a documentary or is this like straight up entertainment, you know? So how, how do you draw those lines where porn, porn is concerned or do you draw? And, and look, and look at how that parallels with burlesque. The same thing is that you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, is this entertainment or am I supposed to be having a revolutionary experience? Is this entertainment or am I really a woman that's supposed to be naked all the time? Like, it's amazing how we put ourselves into these scenarios just to kind of see where where we fit into them. Yeah. And the, the challenge that I get off on is, is combining the two mm. is combining the entertainment with the life-changing experience, you know, that like oh, I know. both, like both options are available to the viewer and I know what my intentions are. I cannot control the viewer's uh, uh, vision of what I'm doing, but I think if I start out knowing what, what, what my intentions are, I have a better chance of communicating those. Yeah.
Yeah, you're you're making this incredible new path in life and I'm so delighted to see how it continues to unfold because I do think that you're very much a sex positive superhero of sorts. So I will sing that praise until the end of time. You're on to some incredible projects in life. Uh, I want to hear all about them as we're wrapping this, but uh, the shift in pursuing life outside of sex entertainment uh, or sexy entertainment. Uh, what's the what's the the balance or challenge for legitimacy like when you are interacting with the world outside of the sex entertainment bubble? Yeah, it, it it's really challenging because because I've been doing this for so long. I have a built-in audience. I have a built-in crowd, and then if I'm doing things that don't necessarily appeal to them, then I have to find a new crowd. And how do I find a new crowd and a new audience in a new field where I'm a newbie? You know, mm. um, I don't know. I don't have the answers, <laughs> but that is something that I'm running into. And it's really challenging for me and, and makes me kind of want to just fall back on what I know, makes me want to just kind of lean back into the comfort that yeah. I have here. Um, but also knowing that there's, a, there's something more that I need to be doing and, and that I need and want to be reaching more people with it, with the messages that I have. And I'm not, um, I'm not like downgrading my fans and my supporters now. Like I love them. They've been with me forever and ever. They're so loyal and so supportive. Um, but yeah, you know, I think we're all kind of faced with that. Like how do we grow our audience, right? Mm -hmm. Using the algorithms and using the platforms that are available to us while also talking about the things that we talk about and how do we talk about them in like sneaky ways that the algorithm won't figure out. And it's just, it's, it makes me bonkers because I try to live, um, unapologetically. And so when I find that I have to self-censor, I feel apologetic about it and I feel weird about it. And it's like, goes against what I believe, but I don't know how to work the system. I don't know how to like play and, the game in the way that needs to be played in the way that makes me feel good. So, and that's what I'm, I, I, that's what I mean by there's a sexual revolution of our generation happening through artistry because we wouldn't be seeing censorship the way that we are if it wasn't for artists or, you know, artistic thinkers, uh, artistic individuals trying to put messages out there. We're being blocked with censorship. Mm -hmm. It is a real thing. And that's why our sexual revolution is kind of, it's happening that way. Yeah. Do you... Well, I don't know. This is a, it's a question for maybe when the world opens up more, but do you find that maybe there will be a push or a resurgence of like the in-person kind of underground um, events or experiences? Like where all the like juicy stuff happens and like all the real and daring stuff happens? It's happening. It's actually happening. I've noticed it a lot being in New York as the pandemic weakens and the rumbling and rustlings of really talented and adventurous artists they, they can't take it anymore. People are starting to make these experiences. Like I, I can say for New York, it's happening. It's already there. And I'm seeing some really, 
really um, unapologetic, unflinching displays of sexuality being presented in the underground art scene here. Yes, a thousand percent. So I, I hope it becomes a whole worldwide uh, uh, movement. And I hope that we can take to larger stages, but I'll tell you it's it's live and well and certainly underway here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exciting to hear. And of course it's happening in New York, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I um, I'm very much looking forward to visiting New York, um, yes. hopefully soon. I miss it so much. Um, yeah. It I, misses you, it misses you. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's such a great, it's such a great energy. And I was just talking uh, the other day about like, what is, what is our scene? Like, what mm. is the scene just in general? Like, like what was the last great scene you had seventies, yeah. eighties, like in eighties in LA and New York? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Right. Um, what, ha what's happened since then? Like what, what kind of like time in our in our history here together where there's been the height of music and fashion and yeah. art and media like what is that is it it's, now it's it's become dependency on screens i think that that's been a big issue in being able to really stamp what have we lived through what is this generation all about because so much of it is about like hang on let me just check with this screen as opposed to like we are you know involving ourselves in in physical activity i just the screens have made it challenging i'll say that yeah, i'm not they, going anywhere absolutely they've made it challenging but it also makes the scene not have to be geographic True. um however um i i i need to touch things i need like visceral experience um the screens just hurt me and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm not made for it. Um, yeah, I'm fully embracing grandma. So yeah, down, down with the screens, down mm -hmm. with the screens. So Michelle Lamore, for everyone that wants to know about your upcoming projects, your upcoming events and where to get in touch with you, what's all that info? Yes. Uh, well, my next event coming up is a virtual pleasure positive event, which I'm super pumped about. It's called Into Pleasure. And I am um, co-producing it with Nicoletta Heidinger, the host of Sluts and Scholars. So I don't know if you're familiar with her, but so we have five different presenters that day. So we'll be learning about um, fetish aesthetics using like skincare and beauty rituals and kink and BDSM and aftercare, which is pretty cool. Um, of course, we'll be talking about shame and preparing your body for pleasure. Um, I will be leading people through a sensual movement class, um, which is always really delicious. And we'll have some rope bondage in there and demonstrations. And also on the topic of porn, we have um, the millennial sexpert, Javé Debay, talking about how to make your perfect home movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, I love this. Yes. So this is all happening on April 2nd. So you can go to intopleasure.com for all of those juicy details. Oh and you can follow gosh. me at Michelle Amore or follow the podcast at I Look Down There. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today for this discussion. I could easily have gone another three hours. Like I could literally go another three hours with you. Yeah. But... I feel like that's kind of our MO. <laughs> I know. Every
every time. I yeah. know. So look, yeah, yeah. Uh, get yourself to New York City. I'll hopefully be making a Vegas visit and uh, we'll do this in the flesh sometime. But thank you for all the insight, the wisdom and the passion that you bring to these conversations. And uh, everyone watching and listening at home, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree and we'll see you back here next time. Bye. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Oh. This has been a CAM4 radio production. Come say hi at www.cam4radio.com.